1975, New York City was on the brink of financial disaster. In the previous years, the city officials had borrowed more money from banks to prop up its failing local government until finally the banks decided that it was enough. This decision would have long-reaching repercussions that seem to have led directly to how we see the world today. The final decision to take control of a government and effectively replace publicly elected politicians with bankers would fundamentally shape the future of the modern world. Some of the world's greatest enemies like Muammar Gaddafi, Saddam Hussein, Al-Qaeda were a direct result of carefully crafted narratives by Western governments in order to maintain the status quo. The youth counterculture who thought they were rebelling and making a statement by withdrawing from public and political action played directly into the hands of the governments who were now just managers. How did one city's fall to bankers produce the carefully maintained illusion of a free world? Were the revolutions that shook the Middle East in recent years and the Occupy Wall Street movement the prototypes for the next stage of our social evolution? this case file, the theorists turn up the house lights and take a peek behind the curtain of modern society to find out what's real and unreal in hypernormalization. Welcome to Alien Theorist Theorizing Case File 131 Hypernormalization. I'm Braden. I'm Zell. I'm Dan. And I'm Andrew. I'm Andrew. Try to sound at least a little bit excited. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, this this fucking documentary we're about to talk to got me hyper depressed. So. <laughs> Yes, this is um, this is all Dan's doing. Dan has turned our positive outlook on life into now a gloom and doom because we watched. We all sat down and watched a documentary called Hypernormalization, and God damn, if you haven't seen it, give it a watch. Where can you find it again, Dan? Uh, you can find it on YouTube. Just type in Hypernormalization, and it should come up. Now and pre- preface: This isn't. It's not like. Hey guys, watch this 18-hour YouTube video we saw. This is a it's a documentary, but you can get it on YouTube. Yes. It's not like it's a some some YouTube creator just made some weird movie. It was recommended uh, by your maester. That's all yeah. you should It that's comes all you from the maester. You know it's maester approved. Yeah. Maester approved. Yeah. You need that seal. I do. I need one. I need a stamp. Oh, that'd be a, that'd be a good stamp. Like someone make us that graphic where we can say sealed by Danny hits it, and then just a stamp of approved <laughs> goes over. Approved, <laughs> Mister approved. approved. Yeah, uh, man, such a good. Do- Who did the documentary again? It's on the. It was done for the BBC. I remember that. I just don't right. remember the guy's name. Uh, Adam Curtis. Adam Curtis is a great. Uh, he's a great documentary maker. Uh, he's worked for the BBC for years. Um, people have probably come across this stuff. He's been doing, uh, documentaries since the eighties, like 1983. Um, I know he's worked with the UK band massive attack and I know you can't tell me that you haven't heard of the band massive attack. 
I can tell you that right now. I can tell oh, you that. Dude. I feel like I should I should know, but I can. It's oh, they did they did music that their music was on the soundtrack to the Matrix. And it was also in the soundtrack to Blade 2. The best Yeah, I, that's exactly where I knew it was ah. from. It's the fuck it, the walking out. Over there all the all the vampires. I had that album like, with mm. fucking um, and Crystal Method. Yep. Fucking yeah. So uh Adam Curtis is a really great documentary maker and he makes documentaries his his favorite topic to talk about is about power and how it works in society um which very much runs up our alley in terms of conspiracies oh. as soon as i watch this i was like this confirms everything i ever thought <laughs> yeah i was like this puts into words exactly what i how i felt what's going on right now and this was made in 2016 yeah, this, yeah. This, yeah, four Before years Before that, no, it was released in 2016, so he'd probably been working on it for probably at least one or two years. Yeah. Okay, so where do we where do we want to jump in here? I, I mean, it's so hard to get in here. So it covers, um, ex, like, everything from the last 100 years, pretty much. I mean, well, it starts, it starts in 1975. True, yeah. Uh, with this documentary, basically the idea is that uh, he kind of starts out from the premise, like uh, he puts this idea out there, this argument that the people, pretty much politicians, technocrats, and radicals, you want to call them, right, uh, have become complacent and only now, whereas there used to be this push for change, now there is a push to maintain uh, the system that is now governing our entire reality and that they have built together, whether uh, knowingly or kind of they just by, uh, you know, just by submitting to it, they've they've built this entire reality around us of a simpler, uh, like a more simplified cartoonish caricature of reality that is that is easier for us to kind of digest instead of getting into the complexities of the entire world and how it works. Now we've had this entire um it's like a black and white like just like two views of the world usually like just push two narratives on the people and you know the actual issues are so much more complex there's like oh you're either anti or pro this or they show you that of like foreign policies and there's, they don't show you anything in the middle and they make it seem they, it's promoted so much on the media that it makes it just seem like it's just that's just how it is. It's, just, it's normal. Yeah, it's uh, in the documentary. Adam Curtis is great because it's really almost I mean, I, you you want to call it, it. If anything, it is a conspiracy. It is a huge. Um, oh, 100 percent. It's a huge conspiracy, mm -hmm. man. Right. The wool's been pulled over our eyes. And, it's, and we've it become all, complacent to it. And it all began back in 1975 is what he kind of posits is that uh, during – in 1975, if people don't remember, uh, what the big thing was there was this big problem with New York. New York City was the problem, at least in the United States. Uh, what had happened was that New York, after the whole kind of push post-World War II – 
after the pushing of all these programs that I know, New Deal programs from FDR's administration, these kind of things that kind of get the economy moving. Uh, New York became this kind of place where um, it almost came uh, like a testing ground for for kind of socialist ideas. So they had like free education, uh, you know, some sort of like subsidized healthcare, these kind of these 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 ideas, um, you know, lots of uh, teachers, policemen, firefighters, all this type uh, public libraries, all welfare of these programs. things. Welfare programs. Yeah, welfare, you know, social welfare programs. All of these things kind of came out during the New Deal process, this kind of like whole kind of, want to call it like democratic socialist era. But by 1975, due to a lot of different factors like bad accounting, you know, widespread corruption, these things, New York was basically failing. It was falling apart, right? right. Uh, a lot of the the middle class uh, population, uh, they were like leaving. Probably they were leaving the city. They were right? leaving. They were moving out to the city. suburbs. Right, so they're moving out to the suburbs, and so what happens when all these people move out to the suburbs? They take their tax dollars with them, right? So you know, New York City cannot support the programs that they're on, and so what New York City began to do was they began to take money from the banks. They began to take loans, huge loans, right, to try and keep New York City afloat. So now you have all these. After a certain amount of time, the bank said, well, like you guys are taking all this money, but we've reached the point where now we can't see us getting our money back. Yeah. And so this became the the turning point where Adam Curtis kind of puts puts forth the idea that these this was the point where there was a new experiment. Where we banks, fucked up. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Start of the fuck up. As a society, this, this is where we fucked up. We let this happen. This is where the banks decided we're going to control the city, not the politicians. We need to run this city without politics because obviously you guys can't make money. You know, once you put the bankers in charge, it's all about money. It's all yeah, about it's, money. It's it's running the numbers. So um, right after this, so after New York basically defaults on its loans, what happened, you know, New York tried to ask the United States, like the federal government, this, you know, New York tried to ask the, you know, the state government tried to ask the federal government, you know, help us out. You know, they asked for, you know, at least the is it Eisenhower during that time. Uh, they tried to ask him for help and he was pretty much like, fuck off. You guys done it. You guys are fucked. Um, there was a there was definitely there was definitely a shifting of kind of the like the political atmosphere at the time, and they were moving over to more of a conservative kind of mindset. Or and it was it was a a new conservative kind of mindset, and also kind of a new uh, you could also call it like a new liberal mindset a bit, which it was kind of like pulling in both sides. So you kind of had the liberals who were kind of like free market, you know, wanted to free market capital, like free capitalism, all this stuff, you know, just about making as much money as you possibly can. And then all the conservatives were like, we'd also don't want to spend any money, right? <laughs> you want to cut all the social programs, and we just want to, you know keep all the money where it is. So those two forces kind of just pulled New York apart. And basically what happens is they, they formed a council 
of about like 10, 10 people to kind of basically run the city, which nine out of the 10 were all bankers. God damn. So now the bankers have control of the city and this was the beginning of, of something that we had never seen before. Right? Now, you, you, instead of like running, running it for the good of the people, it's for the profit of the banks. Exactly. Good, well, good, the, good the argument practice. was is they're just gonna they they were just gonna run it by the numbers. So if it if they could hire more people because that's what it said the it, like the economy said like when they punched their numbers they would hire more people. But if they didn't need people, they would fire them because it doesn't make sense to keep people employed if we don't have the, the money coming in. So they were just like, we're just going to run it completely by the numbers. And I think at the beginning, I don't even, you know, I don't even believe that coming up. I don't think they had the best intentions at the beginning. Mm. I think instantly people saw dollar signs. They were like, oh, we can use this to maximize profits. So sure. yeah, they they cut all the social programs. They you know they fired tons and laid off tons of you know social or what do you want to call them like uh, not social but like you know firefighters, you know firefighters, public policemen, public, public service, yeah, public yeah. service, yeah, public service, public servants. So teachers, you know, hundreds of teachers lost their jobs. Uh, you know, they broke up all these things with the unions. Like they made all these negotiations with the unions. They kind of, the unions felt like they were being greedy and, and all this. So they broke up all this stuff and it was all this. And this is where you get this. Like if, if you've watched any movies and you've been like, you know, you've seen the movie where it's the era of like shitty New York. This was it. This was it. Yeah. Like this, this was is the Lance Kincaid's New York. <laughs> yeah, or if you watch the, uh, if you watch the, the, or I don't know if it's, it's not on Netflix anymore, but the Get Down. Like if you watch the Get Down, the Netflix series, the Get Down, like where the there's the burnt out buildings of New York, like the Bronx is just a fucking war zone. This was it. This is it. This was the time. <laughs> so now, this is what's happening in in New York. Now, also in 1975, across the ocean, you had another kind of. Uh, social change in the works. Uh, Even if you go back before the seventies for, to give you some context, you have um, the major powers Now we, we go over to the middle East and we're going to talk about Syria a bunch. But before we talk about that, I I, like, I just want to put into, to, uh, to context, how the middle East at this point has shaped up where there are two major powers in the middle East and it even happened. It, it, it's actually extended all the way into this day is there's basically a cold war happening in, uh, in the middle East. And you, it's basically between, it comes down to Saudi Arabia and Iran. Like those are the two major powers in the middle East. And they, at, uh, for the last, you know, 50 years, they've been going at each other in a type of kind of cold war. And they've been basically using the, other Middle Eastern states to kind of fight their proxy wars. So even, you know, Iraq, uh, Syria, Yemen, Libya, all of those countries, which I think either three out of four of those are all four now are all failing states at this moment. Yep. Um, Completely falling apart. And so now when you get to, you know, 1975, you have a country, Syria, that's kind of on on the rise. So you have Syria and 1975 was pretty much when, um, the Assad regime, uh, not the current Bashar Assad, but his father, uh, took control. 
and was beginning to kind of push this 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 idea that the Middle East should be a united. Uh, there should be a vision of a united Middle East, which would be able to shape the world. Like there would be a more complete, you know, entire Muslim Middle East united and they would they would be able to shift the balance of power. Right. At this time too, like you got to remember there was a there was a really big dispute between the Arabs and the Israelis, right? And that was the big push behind Assad really wanted the Palestinians who, you know, and a lot of the Palestinian refugees lived in Syria and Lebanon and the surrounding countries. And he really wanted the Palestinians who at that time didn't have a country to have their country back, which was inhabited by the Israelis. Right. So you got you have all this stuff going on and it's just like in this documentary, what I love is like there's so much great archival footage of just stuff going on. And you see how much like the Middle East has changed between like just the 70, like in the 10 years, they had like 75 to like 85 is ama- is incredible. Like you had uh, before even like Iran at, at one point, like they were becoming you know, a, what you call like a secular nation, right? They, they had had a dictator that had been put in power uh, by the United States, basically a United States backed coup had put in the, the Shah. And he had basically was, was what he was saying was like modernizing Iran and they were becoming more of a, a, a free kind of state. And this is where you get the kind of, um, if you go back and see some pic, there's some great pictures of like when it was becoming that, you know, it wasn't what it is now, which is a, a very strict and, and, uh, you know, fundamentalist kind of a theocracy basically. Mm. Uh, and back then it was like, Hey, but the, the problem was that he was brutal in the way that he governed, uh, Iran had secret police force, all this stuff, really getting rid of all his opposition and things like that because he could do it because he had the backing of the U S they don't care. But now, after he is taken out, like there's a revolution. You have the Iranian revolution where they took over. And that was basically when the, um, the Ayatollah, I'm pretty sure it's the Ayatollah took over, right? Yes. Ayatollah Khomeini yep. took over. And now it has become what it is today. So you just see this, this whole big change happen and all of these things happening within the Middle East. And you have to realize that all of this is connected right? All these changes that are happening within the Middle East, the stuff that is, uh, the, the vision that Assad had for the Middle East was something that at the time, Henry Kissinger, who was like the, who was the secretary of state, he didn't want alarm bells, alarm bells going off. Yeah. Kissinger, this name, this name's everywhere in, in the, the new world order conspiracy, right? Henry Kissinger was the dude. Uh, he was not in a good way. Not uh, the bad dude. He's not the bad all, dude. All I've read and all I've heard about the guy is he's a fucking asshole. <laughs> like, absolute. But he's the he's the basis for Doctor Strangelove. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they based it off him as like his character. Totally. Yeah. And he, his whole thing, the the kind of the, the what he used to dictate his policies. Uh, on the world stage and like our in the United States's relations with other countries was uh, a vision of basically, you know, strong arm, you know, mutually assured destruction. Like 
you like do what we want or we're going to nuke you or we're going to nuke each other and everything is going to blow up. And he kind of saw it in this. It was the U.S.'s. I, it was the U.S.'s uh, obligation to kind of. It was their charge to keep the chaos away, right? To keep order. It's Team America, in the world. world police. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Basically, I mean, it's, it, it's it not like, a bad. This this is right around analogy. that time when it seemed like America, the good guys keeping democracy around the planet. You know, this has seemed to be when the foreign policy changed to more of what it is today, like right around this time. So you see this kind of, this kind of whole thing. So while this is all happening, you have all this stuff as well. You, you also have the Soviet union. So you have the Soviet union doing its thing, uh, which is basically trying to project this. uh, They were trying to build their perfect atheist state. You know, they were trying to build a society uh, without capitalism, without all of that things. And they were trying to be able to show the world that a society could be built with, you know, by the working force, for the working force. That was a kind of idea. Shared economy. Yeah. But. Sounds always sounds good in theory, right? Mm-hmm. It does. Like, you know, everyone's your brother. Everyone's your sister. You all work together for equal means, equal opportunity. But it just never seems to work out that way. Yeah, but due to the you know Soviet Union's, you know, absolute corruption, you know, bad, probably bad accounting as well. <laughs> uh, you have this kind of. Uh, this, this is where we get into the kind of the namesake of the of the documentary, which is called hypernormalization. Now, hypernormalization is a concept uh, that was that was kind of created as a way to explain the the kind of cognitive dissonance that a person feels uh at least the like the population of the Soviet Union felt when you see your life and you see your life as like you know whatever a rural rural russian you know or ukrainian or things like that where you you see that the world is shitty yeah. like you're living in a you're living in a dump you have electricity. You might not have electricity. Uh, you don't know. Uh, there's no work. There's no food. Uh, there's there's nothing you can do. Like there's no freedom. There's no things like that. There's no alternative to the status quo. There's no. right. And then, but the government, which you see on TV, is showing you this picture of the world, this ideal picture of what you're supposed to be believing. You're supposed to believe that, no, the country is actually doing great. This is right? when you see so, the, the Russians come, come over for the, the summit series playing Team Canada, and they bring over this like an army of the most badass top-end athletes the world's ever seen. And they're like, oh, shit, Russia must all be like this. But re- really, the, these, it's all their effort into this one hockey team and the rest of the country is... And they were also the first to discover steroids. So those guys were just fucking jacked. <laughs> fucking huge, man. <laughs> So hypernormalization is the idea that you, these two pictures in your mind are kind of battling it out and you don't know which to believe. And then your mind just says, well, fuck it. Like everything is, you you don't know what to believe, but your brain just says, well, this is just how it is. And then 
I'm just going to live life like this. This is fine. To, to give it like an example of today, I got to think this is how exactly how the people of say Flint, Michigan feel when they can't <laughs> get fucking clean water or drinking water. And they're like, this seems crazy, but everyone says this, like it's fine and we're good and it's okay. That, that'd be, a, that'd be like the easiest version of it, but like more like North Korea. Oh totally. yeah, right. Yeah. Totally. Like the state, they have the. They've been. It's been proven that they will stage shops and stuff when foreign press come through, like stock the front shelves when the back is like empty and like. Well, we saw it in that Seth Rogen movie, right? Whatever the fuck that was called. Oh, we. Oh, oh uh, the, the oh fuck. What was that called? called? The one with the, what's his face, fucking Green Goblin son. Like, what was that yeah, movie? Him and. What's his name? Oh, we're gonna, uh, we're gonna get shit on so bad. That. We're gonna get Frank, shit on so bad. I can't remember James Franco. James Franco. James Franco. Yeah, what, what was the movie called? God damn! I don't know, if I, I Google anything, my it fucking came out computer the Sony, explode, and then so. there was the whole thing where they're like, they're gonna blow up theaters if they show it, and they didn't show it or some shit. I can't remember what the fuck it's called. The interview. That's I'll find it. out right. Yep. The interview. Interview. Yeah, the interview. Yeah. Okay. The interview. That's it. Um. So yeah, that, that 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 this whole thing of like uh, having dueling realities, but you know you're living in both, is, is the idea behind hypernormalization. And you feel like you have no opportunity to change anything. Right. You're you're completely. You don't know what to believe, so you just believe nothing. Kind of. Well, like how, especially in the Middle East, for example, like if you go back and you look at the beginnings of like the destabilization of the Middle East. And you can see fucking Kissinger's fingerprints all over it. He was the, he was the, what was his title? He had like uh, foreign, uh, what do they call it? In the, what do they call it? The, the fucking consigliere or some shit. Consigliere. <laughs> <laughs> uh, geopolitical consultant? No, that's not, yeah, that's, that's not the title he had though. Like in, maybe like Canada, be like Minister of Foreign Affairs or something, but in the States. Are you talking about like Secretary of State? Yes, it's a Secretary yeah, of National something. Security Advisor. Our National Security Advisor. Is that what he was? And, and he was Secretary of State. He was Secretary like, of State. But like, so he knew exactly, like he knew Assad was going to be an issue. Like Assad's plan for uniting the Middle East would be a fucking massive issue for everybody. Right? right. So by going in there and being like, yeah, okay, let's, you know, how many meetings did he have with Assad to try to bring this plan to fruition? Told Assad everything he wanted to hear. I was like, yeah, we're on board and went forth with all those plans, but just completely left Palestine out. That seems to be the whole start of it, right? You know what I mean? And then that's where, you know what I mean? You're isolating this group who's already lost their fucking homeland. You know what I mean? It's just a fucking recipe for disaster. And then when Assad fucking figures out what the fuck happened, they created the biggest monster in like Middle Eastern history. Oh, yes. Like he, he was the creator of the fucking suicide bomber. Well, no, not, not Assad, but the Iran was. Well, but the situation is what created it, right? Like Iran came up with it, then Assad chose to use the suicide right. bombers. And that's really like, think about the lives that have been lost after that. Like that's the Middle East version of a fucking WMD right there. Right, that was like their nuke. Because they didn't yeah. have nukes. What was that group? Uh, well, and it really Hezbollah. And it really and Hezbollah was the the group that originated in Lebanon. Right, Hamas. I think it's Hamas. Yeah. Hamas. Hamas was um, a group of, I believe, Palestinians that got isolated into a certain group that was exiled and 
they sent him to the mountains somewhere, which All was right, like, that's yeah, yeah. They sent, him, yeah, okay. They sent him to they they isolated him to this mountain range area, which was like right next to a fucking Hezbollah stronghold. So they're like, hey guys, come over here. We got some yeah, stuff you to show you. Friends. It's called all about you know. It's called suicide bombing. It's great. Well, because it, it originated because I was watching that documentary. It originated that the original like you would die for like by suicide as like a martyr, but it had nothing to do originally with taking other people with you. And then through this whole event, this like you you committing suicide but taking others with you became. Well, it it was justified because it initially it was justified because. It, these plans were used against Israelis and they, they were justifying it because anyone can be part of the fucking Israeli military, right? Women. Yeah. And, and children would eventually go be part of the military. Right. So that's how they justified it. So they, and then it just fucking went a little crazy. after. Well, it, like us drew troops out of Lebanon because like it, it was, it was, it worked. Like how many Navy they fucking SEALs, retreated. How many Navy SEALs died in Lebanon on that base that through first, the suicide first, bombers? That, what was Marines? that first right. attack? It was two hundred and something. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and then it's, so now like when when that bombing happened, uh the one in Lebanon was it Beirut? It was in Beirut. Yes, it was in Beirut. So after this happens, it basically it, it brings the it brings like the whole kind of Middle East thing home. You know, Ronald Reagan is in office and Ronald Reagan. And I will say this for Ronald Reagan. He's a, that dude is charismatic as fuck. Like Speaks he's well. an actor. He's a Speaks movie. Well. Star. I know, but God, like, you watch what? him talk and yeah. you're like, yeah, but you're like, oh, but no, but you watch that dude talk. But anyways, um, you know, his fucking, the, when, when challenger exploded, like that fucking speech, like, ah, but anyways, um, he basically, him and his administration shaped the U.S., the U.S.'s view that now it had become about good versus evil, right? So now he's trying to take yeah. the U.S. and being like, to get them involved and be like, this is about, this is about the good guys versus the bad guys. America, fuck right? Black yeah. and white, right? Yeah. You know, white and black, whatever. But, you know, this this is we're good. something. We have yeah, freedom. We're we have good. democracy. Mm -hmm. They don't. They're oppressing the people there. We need to save them because we are the defenders of freedom. Fucking we have Hulk Hogan. They have yeah. the Iron Sheik. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, and even actually before this, so now we kind of have to talk about how in this documentary, they talk about how American counterculture is kind of developing or has been developing for the last since like 1970s and on. So you kind of had in the 1970s uh, when New York was kind of falling apart, you had this thing that I, I called like hyper individualization. You kind of had this, this, uh, this feeling that people like started to draw inside. They started to take, you know, they started to take themselves out of the system, right? Because in the 1970s stuff, you kind of get this stuff about people like, you know, you don't want to play the pot. You don't play the man's game, right? Yeah. You don't, you don't want to be, you don't vote, right? You don't want to do all that stuff. That's just you taking part in the system and you're you being part this, of their game, man. You take this tab. Yeah, man, don't, don't worry about that. Just come take some LSD, man. Yeah, you take the tab, you put it on your tongue, then you put another one, and then one more. And then yeah. the system doesn't even mean anything to you anymore. Yeah. Lucy in the sky with diamonds, baby. So 
this kind of, you know, where it should have been, you know, where you think like it should have been this kind of like uprising, there wasn't. Well, there, right? there was there, stuff about like, you know, there was anti-war protests and stuff, but they weren't actually protesting. That's the stuff they showed in the media. They were no one really knew about all this other stuff going on behind the scenes. And when they did know, right. when it was when they people, some people knew about it. That's exactly what they do. Just like, well, there's nothing we can do. So, fuck the man, fuck the system, rock and roll, and some hallucinogens. That'll okay. remove ourselves from the problem. Yeah. So, or or they start to embrace the kind of things because they were they uh, they had an interview with uh, with Patty Bell, and she's talking about she's taking like a, a tour of like kind of downtown New York, like. Bronx area and she's talking about oh man like you see you see how those guys they, they write on the they, they do all the graffiti on the wall that's like art you know I wish other other cities had this stuff you know da, 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 da. I'm like that is a sign of like bad infrastructure <laughs> like, <laughs> um, you know but you kind of have this all of this the stuff where people are people start to draw in to themselves right they become becoming like they're rebe- the thing becomes to rebel against the system is to take yourself out of the system, right? Or not participate in in society. It's probably the easiest thing to do. Right. So they almost become complacent in this thing. So now there is this, this, this population of people who are living in the abandoned buildings of New York City, but they don't want to change it. Or they feel like they can't change it. Feel like that's the thing. They feel like they can't. Therefore, nothing get ever. Nothing changes. So then, after this, all this stuff happens. You kind of have. Um, so you have the suicide bombings going on now. You have the bombing in Beirut, and then you have the United States. Four months later, after after they make this big speech about how they're gonna take care, you know, they're gonna go in and we're gonna find the people who did this. They pull out. Like we're gone. We're done. Saad wins. All right. So Saad goes, you know, Saad goes on to take control. Biggest victory in, in Middle Eastern history. And which just strengthens his regime at the point and pretty much his, uh, think well, and, and his idea, like ideologies. Mm-hmm. Is that how you say that? Because like now, like the suicide bombing stuff, it worked. It backed the US up, right? So why? It's, it's not like, all right, pack it up. That was crazy. Let's, uh, can't believe we were doing that. It's like, no, let's kick that into overdrive. That was working for us. Well, totally. And then, you know what I mean? It's going to be easier and easier to sell that fucking product to people now being like, no, like you, the suicide bombing worked. Obviously it worked because Allah gave us the gift of victory. Yeah. So you God, have to do God it. God wants it to work, right? He gave us the victory, right? Allah. Uh, so now I can't remember where we go after this. So you have after Beirut and all these things happen. Uh, what a Gaddafi, don't you? Right, so we get to we get to Muammar Gaddafi, uh, Colonel, or you know, eventually leader of Libya at some point, you know, uh, you know, previous now, <laughs> uh, and he, the 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 United States was kind of like looking at this point, they were looking for a fall man, right? So they were kind of looking for something that was, you know, they didn't want to go up against Syria. Right, because Syria well, was and, too. And in 1985, you had the Roman Vienna uh, airport attacks. Um, the the Berlin, I think, was a year after the discotheque bombing. Um, 
and you had like security agencies around the world being like Syria did it 100% Syria like Syria's doing this and Syria was risky like no one wa- the states no well, one you, wanted you, to attack them you, you didn't want Syria because if you took on Syria you took on Iran and when you took on yep. Iran you took on the fucking Soviet Union too yeah right so, and, yeah, and then so I think they weren't were, they weren't they allies with, with China at the time too uh, China was still yeah they were still like you know, they were considered communist at the time. Right? Like, so you have all this press about these bombings and you have these, the states in this frenzy of like good versus evil. Well, now you need evil to vanquish. And this evil's too big. You yeah. You couldn't take it. on Syria. They didn't want to do it. Even though UK ut- intelligence agencies, Italian, Italian intelligence agencies were all saying that, no, those bombings were done by Syrian terrorists. Or they were they were pointed in the direction by Syrian intelligence, or, orchestrated like by them, Syria. Yeah, right. And you know, in the U.S., you know, they he has at least one interview with the the U.S. Uh, with a U.S. one of like national security advisors, and he says, "Oh no, we have uh, we have evidence that it was Libya, it was Gaddafi." And it's like, <laughs> I love how they they ask him, and it's like. Well, the other ones say they have 100%. They have confessions from surviving terrorist bombers that it's with. And the guy's just like, I don't believe that. Don't believe it. (laughs) I don't want to believe it. it. It's like, we have a lot of evidence, uh, circumstantial evidence, but you can put it all together. And it says it was Libya. And he's like, wait, the interviewer is like, wait, you say circumstantial, but the president says that it is undeniable. So what is it? Undeniable or circumstantial? Circumstantial is enough to enough to prosecute in the United States. So yeah, never. Like, <laughs> that was the answer. I was like, oh, unbelievable. Well, in like, our so that's court good system, enough. in our court system, circumstantial is enough to go on. So, but like at this point in time, Gaddafi was kind of the perfect target because he had kind of like isolated himself and Libya from the rest of the Middle East, right? Right. Uh, Gaddafi had started to kind of push his own type of uh, his own type of idea, his own type of uh, uh, political ideology, which he called like the third way. And third it was universe or some shit like that. Third some weird universal yeah. something. Yeah. Can't remember. Uh, but he started to push this idea that you would run us. It was almost like communism, but it was communism with like a side of God. Like that's what it was. It was, it was like religious communism. Well, it was like religious <laughs> communism. I don't know how else to like explain it. Like, cause he was like, yeah, there would be no private ownership of the means of production. And, but also we pray, we also pray to God and we follow the precepts of, you know, uh, of Islam. Right. Whereas like the Soviet union is like no God, no, not at all. Right. So, um, that was kind of his, his the, the simplified version. Of so the, the States are kind of, pinning these these bombings on Gaddafi. And the best part about this is what does Gaddafi do? He says, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, so what if I did it? The fuck are you going to do about it? Right? Gaddafi plays into it. And it wasn't even like anybody prompted. He played into it. He like, loved he, it. He's fucking... And this is when you start like... You, you see interviews of him beforehand, before this stuff happened. And he seems like a pretty normal guy. But once this stuff hits, like... I don't know if you saw videos of Gaddafi like before, like before he was overthrown. He and loves whatever, wearing sunglasses. But, oh, oh yeah, <laughs> dude, he he fucking loved the limelight, man. Yeah, he was a rock star. That's what that's his persona, rock star persona. Yeah, he so he he claims he's just like, yep. So what? I did it. Whatever. Didn't Suck do it. it. 
and the U.S. makes him public enemy number one, leaping leapfrogging this guy from you know outsider, maybe dictator to like the world's number one bad guy, right? Where every other bad guy wants to now be this bad guy's friend because he's so bad. And they bombed the shit out of Libya 10 days after the disco bombing. Man, was, they blew the shit out of his house. Oh, everything. <laughs> yeah. They dropped that thing on his fucking head. His stepdaughter got blown to pieces. Yeah. And there's uh, the, uh, this documentary, if you're a screamer, some of the fucking shit is like, it's, it's radical. Oh, it's show. Yeah. yeah. It's like heads up. You're, there's dead babies. No, heads yeah. Up, no yeah. room for uh, sensitive watchers. No, it's, it's, no. A, it's, it's a good, good watch, but. If, this is your warning now if you haven't already. It's, it's I feel bad for the people that maybe stopped half before this part and they're like, I want to watch before I finish yeah. listening. <laughs> Good journalism and what it, what it is. They give you the full picture. No no cuts. Yeah. So now you've got, yeah. So they bomb the shit out of Libya and it's like, yeah, now he's famous. It. Now he's famous. Yeah. Now he's famous. He's but this- it's like, yeah. Mission accomplished. Well, he he was really smart though because like his house was hit in that bombing, or you know what? Maybe it wasn't his house, and he just claimed it was. And he had footage of him standing over there, being like, "This was my home. This was my stepdaughter's room that got destroyed. These are my son's rooms that are now critically injured." And you know what I mean? The world got an opportunity to see what the what America did. You know what I mean? And some a lot of people questioned their actions, right? Yeah. He pl- they well, and, there, pl- he and there's a lot out. of people that didn't support the states that are now like this is giving them even further reason to like dislike the West and, you know, rally behind Libya. Yeah, totally. And this guy's ideals. Well, the, the cool, like it's kind of a genius idea on his part too, though, because while all this is going out, he fucking started reaching out to like the Muslim brotherhood in the United States and like just American, African American population telling them to fight for freedom and he'll supply them with guns. Yeah. He'll support them to rise up. It was a, you know, if you could it's say it's wild, like a, wild, you know, wild on his, pray. on his part. Yeah. It's like a masterstroke. It's just like, yeah, just go ahead and do that. It's like, I can't, you know, supporting dis, you know, dissonance in your own population dissidents. It's just like, okay. You know, like, like you have, you have archival footage of him, you know, of like the, United States, like Muslim Brotherhood, welcoming him, you know, onto their stage. He wasn't in the country, but, you know, by, by, by satellite or whatever, um, having him on there. And it's just like, it's, they're just like, I'd like to welcome our brother, Muammar Gaddafi. And it's, wow, like, this is something you just would never see. <laughs> like, it's crazy. Well, it's perfect though. Like he knew these people were being persecuted in their own country. You know what I mean? And they'd be easily manipulated. So now from, from this kind of whole thing, there's, you have Muammar Gaddafi who has now been defined, you know, he has defined himself as like the, the bad guy. Um, meanwhile, in the United States, you have the thing that's kind of the, the rise of now, like the information age. So now you have things like, uh, is it TMR? Or uh, TMR, which is uh, is it TMR or TIR? Uh, they were the they were the company that technology company that built computers that basically run the Cold War for the United States, and now they have shifted over into the next stage, which is basically they built the computers that keep track of everybody's credit. Oh, so now uh, TRW, TRW. I think- 
which is now you you reach like the digital age and now there is this idea that's starting to be taken up that uh, there's like these uh, this is where the rise of the technocrat comes in and you have these people who are like what you call them like digital utopians and the people who are like cyberspace this will be the haven this will be the utopia where it is not controlled by you know by outside forces by companies by it's not affected by politics it's where everybody's going to have a voice it's it will be the refuge for the next generation right the, yeah controlled know. by no one controlled right, like, by no, yeah controlled by yeah good idea at the start yes right, it, when you watch intentions. this documentary and you see where what they had the ideas they had for it and then you look at how it's used now. You're just like it's exactly what they didn't want. <laughs> so you have eventually the rise of you know this kind of goes. We're kind of skipping ahead probably a little bit, but you have like this whole thing where it's like the idea of you know social media becomes a thing where it's you know you eventually see the evolution of how um, you know primitive kind of AIs, artificial intelligence, and things like that, where they have this. There's kind of like the two different kinds. You kind of have the ones. I know we talked about it. Uh, I know we talked about it in our artificial intelligence case file, where we talked about the types of artificial intelligence that that um, that govern like some stockbroking, like trades yep. companies, right? So they talk about a specific one called Aladdin, and uh, where it's like you know you have this artificial intelligence where the only thing that it does is make money or maintain a certain amount of money that it has. And it does that by doing so many transactions so fast, like not, not big trades or little trades, but like just a bunch, like, you know, hundreds of thousands of microtransactions just to keep, you know, to maintain, right. Or to make more money. That's its only goal. And then um, you have that kind of technology along with the technology of, you know, the one that interacts with humans, right? So you kind of have this, you, you watch the development in this documentary of how we came to the idea of having, what did they call them? Like intelligence agents is the first one. Uh, like it, it's like the precursor to today's uh, social media filters where right. you are fed certain you're fed certain information, certain, you know, websites, advertisements that are targeted, um, you know, at you because of, of what your browsing history is, what information that you have, you know, websites you've gone to, videos that you've watched, things that you've ordered off the internet. And then that all goes into these algorithms and then it feeds you more stuff. More, more right? of what you like and what you believe. So it's like, you know, if, you, we've all been to, down those YouTube rabbit holes of like, it's like, you like this? Well, you like, and then later on, you're like, an hour later, you're like, how the hell did I get onto this? Yeah. And it's because each of those videos is just slightly, you know, people that like this, like this, and people that like this, like this, and they just, just feed it to you. They just keep pushing a steady stream of what they think you'll like based on what you've clicked before. It's, yeah. Just you lose. At your face. You lose the 
like the power of choice in some like some cases, right? Like you've made this one choice one time, and now the you sign onto those cookies. And now those cookies think that is you. So then it's going to keep pushing information to you, like of that similar nature to you, even though maybe that's not what you exactly wanted to spend, you know, a whole weekend reading or going down that avenue because you did one, then you did two, and then it's like, oh, this did, guy did two. So this is his circle or his or her circle. And it like lumps you into that tiny little group. So even though you think you have access to information of the entire internet, you're only being fed what the algorithms show you, really. So now it becomes this idea that, you know, cyberspace, which was supposed to be the last refuge, is no longer about that. It's not about pushing ideas forward. It's no longer about giving everybody the same, you know, everybody's opinion or everybody voice the same weight it's more about just managing right so you have things where like after the the bombing of you know beirut and those things and now it's about there has come around uh, like an age of chaos which kind of technically henry kissinger was kind of being able to trying to avoid that now it's about managing Right. It's not about moving forward. It's not about because the the good versus bad narrative doesn't really work anymore. You can't really push that. It becomes about managing the status quo. Right. Trying to predict what's going to come next, but you can't predict what's going to come next. So you just try to manage. It's just you can take it back. Like in that documentary, they also show like a five minute montage of movies released not that far before the attacks of 9-11. Right. Before, like all before 2001, you know, if you guys remember, it's like, you know, Independence Day, Deep Impact, Armageddon, Armageddon, right? All of these, these absolute catastrophe, you know, this disaster movies, Twister, all those things, you know, it's like all these movies where it's like the worst of the worst could happen. And to stop the worst of the worst from happening, we need to do something. So like this goes to that whole term of normal, like hyper normalization, like. And if you go like as a conspiracy minded person, you would say like, all right, so no connections, obviously, just hypothetically. So you, they show you like a string of videos in this thing. They're like, this is, they all show like, oh, uh, you know, the White House gets blown up and the Empire State Building and everyone's running and screaming and people are falling out of buildings. And then people become like, like, oh, oh yeah, this is it. And then it happens in real life. And then immediately there's a narrative and everyone's like, oh, good, evil, those guys, bad, this happened here. And like the questions, like the there was no like time, like and the events of 9-11, there's no like discourse of what actually happens. It's like, oh, within the day they're saying, oh, Osama bin Laden, like oh, Al-Qaeda. And like they, they, and everyone just becomes like transfixed on that, even though a lot of people on that day probably were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. How do we know? Is that like for sure we know this just happened, right? And so in that documentary, it gets you thinking, like, if, after watching it, I just go, do I know anything about the reality I'm shown anymore? Is like, like, where, know, where do you fucking the draw the line, thing, man? Well, like, the, a perfect example of that is in that fucking documentary where right after September 11, they're like, hmm, we need to fucking bring somebody in here that's going to, you know, side with us and maybe prove that there's WMDs in the Middle East. And, you know, who could we fucking do that with? I don't know. Why don't we? Uh, why don't we call up our good old friend, fucking Gaddafi? 
No, no so that, was that even that was like after the invasion of Iraq, where we actually they were still we were questioning whether they actually had WMDs. I, totally. And then so they they call up Gaddafi and then get Gaddafi comes forward and says, yeah, we have them. We're going to fucking disband them. We're not going to you know, we're not going to produce them anymore. We're going to aid with the fucking we're going to aid with the U.S. and we're going to completely condemn anything that fucking, you know what I mean? Bin Laden did. And uh, we're going to condemn Saddam Hussein and like, fuck, man, it's crazy. Yeah. And the, <laughs> what was it? They had the intelligence report about the WMDs that they had reported they had found in Iraq. This was MI6, and, right? Oh, like the, yeah. the British secret, or like the British, what's MI6 compared to? Like the CIA? It's fucking 007, yeah. man. Yeah. Or is, it MI, so, is MI6, 007, MI5 is what it's actually called? No, MI6 is... Uh, MI6 is... 007. Oh, okay. I think there is a... Devil, it might be an MI5. I can't remember. I don't know. But... Um, that's like this is an secret. intelligence report again. <laughs> just from this is an this. intelligence report. This was that, briefed the highest levels of intelligence and then brought to the public to or to then to be like authorized bombings of a country and its people. What was in that report, Dan? And in that report <laughs> was saying that they had these bio, they had these uh, uh, chemical weapons, which were going. I believe to, they were called VX gas-armed M55 rockets. <laughs> that were had the chemicals in glass containers, right? To be able to easily deploy. So now if you think back <laughs> and you're like, huh, VX gas rockets, gas rockets, glass containers, huh? Where do I remember that from? Well, there's a fucking great Michael Bay movie called The Rock, <laughs> where this intelligence briefing just steals the na- the plot of the movie and sells it as intelligence. They they you do not use like basically all the scientists and professionals like it's it's from the movie. It's the plot of the movie. You don't have biological weapons in glass canisters. Like that's not how it works. Like that's not how these bombs work. <laughs> I would have I, loved to been on that phone call of the head of intelligence to uh you know the president at the time being like, you know, the army general, Jim, you there? We got God damn it, Jim. Yes, I got, I'm here. I got Jim. I got goddamn. I got bad news. Go ahead, Jim. Give it to me. You know, the leader of Iraq. God damn it, Jim. Yes, I do. Saddam Hussein. Well, well, Hussein and his troops, they've took hold of a stockpile of dangerous VX gas armed M55 rockets, Jim. God damn it, Jim. That sounds a lot like Brigadier General Frank Hummel from uh, The Rock. Forget about that. I've got this on A-level sources, Jim. God damn it. Listen to me. God damn it, Jim. Who did you talk to, Nicolas Cage? No, I talked to Dr. Stanley Goodspeed and his partner, John Patrick Mason. God damn it. We've got to act. There's no time for thoughts. God damn it, Jim. I've heard they've taken over Alcatraz. <laughs> that that's where they found the bombs. They're threatening San Francisco. Jim, there's no time. God damn it. Attack. <laughs> and then they're just like, yeah, fuck it. Let's bomb Iraq. <laughs> yeah, let's just dump like billions of dollars worth of bombs on Iraq. Hell yeah. Based off the plot of fucking the the it's uh, like when I saw that I was like, is this a joke? Is this a it fucking been, joke in it this? Could have been, it could have easily been like, God damn it, Jim. Jailbird, a prison transport flight on route to Alabama was hijacked. 
<laughs> oh, Jim, you don't say, Jim. Who's on the flight? God damn it, Jim. The world's worst criminals, Jim. Cyrus the virus. God damn it, Jim. What the hell are we going to do? God, Jim, God damn it, Jim. We got a man on the inside. Oh, thank God, Jim. Who is it? Cameron Poe, Jim. God damn it, Jim. That guy's a murderer. God damn it, Jim. He's an ex-army ranger. God damn it, Jim. He's a loose. He killed a man with his bare hands. God damn it, Jim. He looks good in a tank top. God damn it, Jim. Bomb Iraq. <laughs> <laughs> that makes much, as, as much sense. Yeah. It's, it's honestly, when I first read that, I was like, that is fucking crazy. That, that was passed off. And so it's like, my conspiracy mind goes right away where it's like, they didn't really think it through. And they're just like, we can just give this to the people. It sounds good. And people will just fucking eat it with a slice of cake. Won't even care. And in the, in the moment, no one did. I am no, maybe did, people you, did, but the media, we didn't know. Like we, it we, was just like, yep, yeah, do it. Well, cause they knew they're like, come on guys. That movie got great reviews. They're going to fucking love it. Everybody loves yeah. that movie. <laughs> Had fucking Sean Connery. <laughs> great. Use it. It could have been just like, this is just like the movies. Yeah. You know? It's, yeah. yeah. I've seen this. That's why people got on board. They're like, oh, I know what to do. Bomb them. That's <laughs> what we, we, so we did in the rock. I, you fucking sit there with your flares right up in the air and fucking light it up. Like, glass yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, you could just be like, hey, listen, guys, you know what I mean? I know it sounds fishy, but maybe they got the idea from the movie. All right. These terrorists get DVDs too. <laughs> it's just the actual movie props. They got the movie props. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, <laughs> General Hussein, we've got the bombs you wanted from that documentary, The Rock. They hire Ed Harris to come down. <laughs> <laughs> Play a rogue army general. Like it. Uh, but, it, but yeah, no, it, like, so you have this whole thing where it's like for the last 30 odd years or something like that. Uh, Mom or Gaddafi is the, the, the boogeyman, you know, yep. and then they flip him. He's a good guy you now. Know? He's changed, changed man, right? They hired, they actually hired like a, like a public, like a, it was like a publicist agency, right? They hired like a, like a publicist agency to, to help him to turn him. They right? turned him into a rock star. Yeah. They invited him on to all this crazy stuff, um, where it was like, uh, they, they they would invite him with uh, like contemporaries of his time of of people like uh, uh like academics and things like that and they'd put him on these shows and they'd have him talk about whatever you know but they tried to present him and and change everybody's view of like what what he like what he was supposed to be it's like no wait he was the bad guy <laughs> now he's the good guy and it's like okay yeah, it seems legit yeah I guess I that. I mean, it's all about how you spin it maybe all, how you put it in the news. You know, and that, that's what they do. And then, so then we have that. And then after, after that stuff's done, we just toss them away. Right. And then like, not, not like a, not following a few months later. What was the, what was the, drone what was the Clinton quote, quote, we came, we saw, he died. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> Got him. And so, he, uh, yeah. And then we drone striked him and then 
Jonas tried to convoy and he's dead. And then he was like, oh, and then everything's good. And it's like, wait, what? He was just our friend. Like he was our friend ago. and ally. Friend and ally. And then the second his people started to rise up, we were like, yeah, he's a monster. We were yeah. never friends with him. America. We hate him because okay. that was the story. That was the story. He was a bad guy again. And then they fucking killed him. Buddy, listen, Libya needed some freedom. America gave it to him. How simple is that? How's Libya doing right now? Not good. Not good. Not great. <laughs> Not great. <laughs> you mean like... Like, you know what? They have done a lot of good in the Middle East over the last, what, fucking 20 years, right? Things are very stable there and good, and the economy's booming, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What? <laughs> what timeline <laughs> are you living in? <laughs> maybe in, like, uh, parts of United Arab Emirates, maybe. maybe. That's it. I don't know. Lebanon's nice to go on vacation. I see a lot of pictures from family members, but I wouldn't fucking stay there longer than a week. The country looks super nice. Super nice. It used to be even, like, it used to be the Paris of the Middle East. Oh, really? So, yeah, they, it was beautiful back in the day, and then the fucking Civil War all, destroyed it. All the rest of the bullshit since then. Yeah. So now yeah. the thing is, is like, if you think about this, you're like, how, if this is what they could do with a person who is, you know, pretty much globally reviled, and then they just flip him with the use of the media, you know? They could do that with anything. Yeah. Like, well, here's my question, Dan. Stop? Could they do it with could they do it with Mr. Conspiracy? I doubt it. <laughs> I don't know. That'd be a challenge. Yeah. You'd probably need two two publicist firms for him. Yeah. <laughs> full full international team. No, but it does make you wonder though that like not only did it do it with Gaddafi, they do it with like pretty much every American invasion in our lifetime. Like since two thousand one, like when I was like thirteen. And they went into Afghanistan, and then they've been into how many other countries in that region since? There's always like the the enemy changes, and it changes quick, right? Like the enemy, it was Afghanistan, then it was Iraq, real quick, and then it was oh, it's, then it's Libya, and then they're back in Iraq, but they're still in Afghanistan, but then they're in the Syria. So it's like it's kind of like that, like uh, the book 1984, where you, no one even knows who the enemy is, and it switches so quickly that everyone's like, oh yeah, I guess that's yeah, that's that's them now, I guess. Bad guys. So now you think, now you think like, oh, well, somebody's going to stop this, right? The public's going to rise up. There's going to be a, a revolution. You want a revolution, right? Because if you're a conspiracy theorist, right, you you want this stuff to end because you know about it, right? Sucks. Stop it. Gets, oh, no, yeah. stop. Yeah. We want the revolution, right? But what are you going to do? Wrong. Do yeah, you, you really do want the it? revolution? No, I want to take LSD and pretend like nothing's happening. Uh, or you want to go occupy Wall Street, right? And then solve yeah. how it happened there, right? So when you look at this, and so now you look at this thing where it's like the, you had the whole counterculture, individualization, things like that. And now you have this, this Occupy Wall Street movement. This kind of plays into the whole thing as well, where it's like the people have the idea, right? They have the, the social... They have the management. They're like, this is how we're going to come together. This is how we're going to make a difference, yep. right? We're going to go sit on Wall Street. We're going to do our protests. And this is how we're going to change. We're going to make our voices heard. What happened? They don't put, if they don't put in it in the media, because Occupy, Occupy Wall Street was like a pretty big thing there, but it was not, it was not. Oh, it wasn't, it wasn't the media though. It wasn't the media. It was all over the thing. And then. Till the next story. It wasn't. Until the next story. Cause the, but why is that? 
why is that? That's the question. Like, because whoever's controlling the narrative, they don't push it. Or is it that? Or is it something else? What's the something else? We don't want to have normalization. We're we're so we're so hyper hyper normalized that we just accept the status quo, no matter even if we think we want to protest. Right. So there's like there's there's this idea where now it's like okay, we did all this stuff, but where were you going to go from there? That's the thing. You want to tear like they want to tear down this system and they want to do all this thing, but what are you going to do to replace it? You can't replace a system without getting people who are running that system on board to replace it. Really? Okay. Well, the, the weird one for me is like thinking about like to even go no, like we've had uh, the last month, like crippling protests of uh, First Nations communities not wanting a pipeline going through and hereditary chiefs um, just blocking like um, protest groups, blocking rail yards and stuff all over the place. No to this pipeline. They don't want it going through. And now like the story now is, yeah, that's all good. And the pipeline's still going ahead. And I'm like, then what was this all about? Yeah, do we do we really not want the pipeline? Uh, I was like, did we not want the pipeline? Do we want the pipeline? I don't know, but the pipeline's happening and the protests have stopped. <laughs> so I was like, did it, it totally reminds me of the fucking Purge World episode where they fucking where Rick and Morty go to the fucking Purge World, <laughs> take out all the guys that are behind the Purge World, and at the end of it, they're like, yeah. All right, guys, good luck. Figure it out. And then they decide to fucking have a purge day. You know what we need? We need a day where we can all be very violent and kill each other. Yeah. But we just saved you from that exact scenario. But it's happening. But to dude, revert and, right back and now to it. we look at we look at the internet now and it's not a it's not a free place. You are looking at the internet through what corporations want you to look at through like you're typing in Google. They're watching everything you do. You're surfing the internet through censored means like through Facebook. You're getting your information from Facebook that just pumps you. Like if you are, I'm just going to say, if you are, don't like Trump and you're clicking on Trump means and this Facebook and Google go, Oh, that's what he likes. That's what I'm going to give. So you no longer get both sides arguments from the other side or stuff refuting or stuff in the center you just get more of what you are clicking on and more and more and more just gets shoved to the front of your feet right and it's cr- it's crazy because you can see the divide happening it's right it's and it's like they're the i mean this is what happens and we see it the studies have done it where it's like people start putting themselves into bubbles mm-hmm. right you start putting yourself into these these bubbles of uh, the information that is fed to you is, is is personalized, it's targeted, and it's you know it's focus group tested, whatever you want to call it, and it's like it puts it put start putting people into these, um, you know, isolation. It's the ultimate from what def- they are ultimate form of divide and conquer without even knowing it's happening. Right. People want to say people want to say that it's like oh they have a specific agenda, but it's like algorithms don't have an agenda. It's like they are just pushing you into these bubbles and it's just like you, you're doing it to yourself. Like that, and that's, and that, but it's not a specific agenda. It's like, that's what they want, but that's just, it's, this is a, this is a, not a, you know, their, their idea. It just happens as a, as well, like someone a, had to write the algorithm. Right. But it's like, but they were putting the algorithm because like, oh, you know, that's what we need. We're like, okay, well, you know. 
people just click on more stuff, click on more stuff because it generates more, more ad sharing. revenue because they click on the same the stuff they're interested in. So why not keep feeding the stuff they're interested right. in? Right. It's just about making money. It's not, it's not necessarily something that's like, okay, it's like a sinister agenda. It's like, no, but it's it could just, be. this is just what makes money. But it could be. Could be? It could be. And like, but it's like, but it's in the best interest, like the, 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 poli- the, the, the politics that we play now, the politics that play now, which are only concerned about, you know, managing, not about social movement, mm-hmm. but it's like, you just keep pushing and pushing them into their circles, pushing people into their bubbles. And then that's fine. It's fine. Yeah. You, you start, like people start, you know, it's uh identity politics in a way, right? You give yourself unknowingly or knowingly, you're giving yourself an identity online that's putting you with a like a specific group of people where now when you do interact with a group of people who don't see eye to eye to you or don't agree with you, instead of being like, oh, I see your point. However, I don't like this part. And like having civil discourse, it's like straight to outrage instantly. Just like, well, you don't believe that, but I believe that. So I must hate you because you hate me because we don't believe the same thing about you can name pretty much anything out there right now. And no one there's going to be groups of everyone that are just hating on everybody over the internet. And they never, they don't know them. Like every once in a while, I'll just poke into one of these, like, like the anti-vaxxers or pro-vaxxer groups and just give a comment, just like somewhere in the middle, like, Hey, I'm for vaccines. However, some people are affected negatively through allergic reactions, blah, blah, blah. And here's, these trials, they're like, well, those people are making up those trials because they were fed. And you're like, well, I'm just saying, I'm not saying either way. I'm just, you know, I'm just putting a point in the middle and no one will can, no one will be like, oh, I, yeah, I do. Well, I, and that, and that's, yeah, I, I see it, but they can't That's a good point. It. You're not, you're not, there is no, there is no, there is no gray area anymore. It's if you are left, you are left. Even extreme left, you're that, you're that, you're all of it. You can't be some of it. It's all or none. And same with the right. It's either you're extreme right, you're right, and you're all of that. You have to own it all because those are the two camps, and that's it. You're separated. There's no in-between. It's like, well, that's not how I feel. Like, I have a whole bunch of things. Some of my views line up with the right. Some of my views line up with the left, right? And it's, it's every one person's intricate, you know, what I mean, in their belief system. But this makes you believe that, like, no, you don't have a choice. You either are these two camps, and that's it. There is no other choices. Yeah. So now you you get into this idea where it's like because I know we've talked about it a couple a couple times like you have things like the Russian disinformation campaign where Russia has learned how to take advantage of this they've learned how to basically you don't what you don't want you don't want control you basically want everybody else to be thrown into chaos and you're the one causing the chaos so you are in control Right. Their whole idea now is they're kind of pushing this uh, this idea of like nonlinear warfare when they came into like the Syrian Syrian war and things like that. Nobody really knew what their agenda was. Nobody knew what Russia's agenda was. And we still don't. We don't. Nobody really knows what Russia wants at this point, except maybe like world domination. They want to pull, you know, take back Ukraine and and the format. So they want to reform the Soviet Union, perhaps. But they just throw stuff out there because like. During Vladimir Putin's rise to power, once he came into power, the idea was pushed by one of his advisors called it's uh, Vladislav Surkov, who pushed the idea that what they would do is they would support different political action groups, both even ones that were like radical. And we saw this even in Project Gladio, like we saw this kind of idea where it's like you support 
groups with differing political opinions. Right. You support the ones who are up, even the ones who are opposing you, like you would push your, you would put support behind them. And then you put support behind the one that opposed them because then nobody would know. Nobody knows right. who's supporting who. Right. Bananas. It's yeah, it's 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 and like it's getting even worse now because like we've seen like this war on information. Where it's like you can't even trust where you get information now. So like you can't trust any source. Even even, yeah. even me, like I, f- I find myself like a very, you know, I take everything with a grain of salt. I don't really believe everything, but I'm like, I I don't know even where to get information from anymore because I'm like, can this source be trusted? I don't know anymore. I this this is the world we live in where it's like everyone's fucking shit and everything you read someone else is saying, well, that's fucking make believe and you don't believe it. And it's, it's, it, it's gotten to me. I'm like, you know, where do you get sources? Where, like, where do you get information that's trusted? It's It's hard. It's like definitely part of the reason we haven't been doing a lot of conspiracy theories lately, I think is just the same stuff because someone says like, "Well, well, Clinton did it. And you're like, Oh, okay. Well, let's look into it. And then, but if you don't find the right thing, then they're like, well, you didn't look in the right space. You're fucking, you're on their team. You're like, well, I know. I just, I just want to get it. I want to fall down the rabbit hole. I want to have some fun. I want to talk about what the conspiracy is, but you can't because there's factions of this, the conspiracy realm, like the conspiracy culture, especially around like anything political right now, where it's like, well, you see it one way, but someone doesn't see it that way. So, and they'll never come to, like, they'll never meet in the middle. You can't just like talk about it civilly. It's just like, well, I hate you now because you didn't agree with me. And you're like, well, that's, I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah, and now pretty much at the end of the day now it's you have this kind of it is very much like what they had in the former Soviet Union. We have hypernormalization where it's like you can look at it now, like now in real time yep. where you have stuff like information coming from the current US administration or even any political thing, any political administration about coronavirus. You're like, first one, it's like, okay, it's this. It's like, um, you know, it's not that bad. We're just going to be like, okay, you know, we're going to quarantine some people. Like there's some cases out here. It's like, it's not anything to be really be worried about. Wash your hands. And then you have like another media source. And I'm not saying just CNN or Fox, but you have like other, everybody just wants to say Tons. CNN and Fox. Yeah. Those are the two end alls apparently. But I'm saying anywhere any information, any whatever. And it's like, it's the fucking Armageddon. Like it's goddamn in half the world's population is going to be infected and 450 million people are going to die. Like, well, that's where is come on. And it it changes every day. You'll read like, you'll read from some websites where it's like, they'll, they'll flip flap. Like the one day they're like, Oh, it's that it's a, it's this. Oh, but they just did this. And then information is changing so fast and, and things are happening so fast. So you're like, you don't know what to believe anymore. And, and, and what it really wants, like, you know, if you're conspiracy minded or whatever, it's like this kind of the documentary kind of posits this thing idea that where it's like they want you to disconnect. Yeah. They want you overwhelmed. They want you to draw in. You know, they want you to become isolated. My vote doesn't well, count. What would what was the biggest news up before this fucking Corona shit came off? Right. Like all we were hearing about was fucking the protests in Hong Kong. And now that Corona's come to fucking, you know what I mean? The head, you don't hear about Hong Kong at all anymore. Like, do we even know if there's protests still going on there? There are still protests. I'm sure there is. Well, exactly. But you have no idea because it hasn't been in the fucking news for I don't know how long. 
right. it's been completely it, overshadowed by a fucking virus that's got less of a kill count than the fucking common cold and the flu. Right. And it's not, I'm like, I'm not, and we're trying, we're not trying to make light of the people who have died from no, it. No, it's no. just like, it's, no, but, but people it's something die where from, it's like, it, people die from viruses, infections every fucking day on a daily basis. There are far more fucking terrible fucking flus and viruses that you can get than this. And it's just, yeah, it's ridiculous how this is the latest fucking obsession. People are right, buying out I, Costco. I was at Costco. True story. I was at Costco <laughs> today and I walked through an aisle and there was just nothing on the shelves, like the whole half aisle of Costco, nothing on the shelves. I'm like, what the f- this doesn't, I've been Costco a lot of times. There's never an empty whole row. So here's my question Dude, though. Is this because they're worried about having to isolate themselves in ho- at home? So they need to have like a stockpile of toilet paper? Is no, that this, why? Because like, no, I think the story of what I think the main reason is someone published an article saying, uh, there is paper, like a uh, toilet paper production facilities in Wuhan, China, which aren't producing. So therefore there's a global shortage and you're going to be no toilet paper <laughs> at, at all. <laughs> So everyone went out and bought all the toilet paper. Big TP. All of it. Fucking bum gun. Big TP. Just need a bum gun. Burn it all. You know whose life's not going to change? The guy who doesn't wipe his ass. (laughs) You don't even do a single single dab after the bum spray? (laughs) I could use a towel. No, I guarantee you got some poop it's particles clean. running There's, down your it's leg. Always no, clean, no, no, no. Just because you don't wait, see. Would you get on a bidet, everyone. Dude, just because you don't see. What kind of disinfecting product do you have in your fucking toilet bowl that cleans your asshole other than just water? What you understand? Kind of that doesn't clean your fucking... Okay, okay. It, what I'm doing... Hey, do you want to get me started? What I'm doing is way better than just rubbing the shit into your ass until it's I under, gone. I understand that, though, but then you way just better. fucking grab a hand towel and wipe your fucking... Chocolate starfish, no, I don't toss use it back a in a pile. <laughs> no, that's what you just no. said. That's what you just no, fucking I said. said. Uh, you just grab. A I'm towel. saying in a world without toilet yeah. paper, I'd, I would I'd just love grab to see a towel. fucking. I would have a little. I would I'd have love an to ass see towel. fucking lady, lady braid and fucking washing racing stripes out of your fucking hand towels. <laughs> fucking gross. A little pink eye. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Anyways, I'm just, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> if. If they can manipulate people's views of world events so easily, just like to the point where people just give up and like remove themselves from the system, I can't now when all these stories come out, I'm like, especially if you say that it's because it really is financial institutions governing the world because they supply the money for all the social, all the policies, like all the budgets are all coming from central banks conglomerate of central banks, you know, under the title of like the World Monetary Fund. So if like in New York, take it back to the beginning when now the banks control the discourse of decisions made through the city, we're just operating on a global level of that system. So if the money, if coronavirus, if they're like, it's an, it almost seems like an organized market collapse, but the market's collapsing. What happens? The media yeah. pushes it more, which allows more people to pull their money out of the market because they're like, oh, the coronavirus is coming. And then the whole fucking market drops within a week. And you're like, why? This was not unnecessary fear-mongering okay, of here's, a thing. It's crazy. Let's get into real conspiracy. If the banks are controlling all this stuff now, right? And we have some AI that are controlling hedge funds and shit that's just sole purpose is to make money. 
is it not better to pump information to crash stocks to then buy for sure buy up stocks right well right I know and that- now sit on it for a mass gain so if you have all your little fingers and all your little ai tentacles and all these different stocks uh you know doing micro transactions and everything tanks and you're just putting money in everything knowing that you can manipulate the markets to go back up because this is just a false like a false alarm and everything's going to rebound but you've scared it enough that you can get in low again and then when it rises just pull pull money out right guarantee if you look if you had the resources to look into what has been like kind of like the 08 collapse of the housing bonds if you had the resources to look into who like bet on the market to fail i guarantee some people just made hundreds of billions of dollars in the last couple weeks guaranteed and i know there's there's also this kind of theory that uh if you do have AIs, because I know it was a thing with Bitcoin. Like I remember reading an article about Bitcoin where they were saying that there are two large like AIs that kind of govern the whole cryptocurrency thing or a, a large part of it. And so what but what happens is like you have these AIs and they're triggered by certain events or certain numbers that pop up. So when a cup one AI or maybe some people like maybe not even AI, but a, people kind of start, you know, selling their stocks or things like that then the, the AIs pick up and it's like a feedback loop. So one AI drops all its shit and then another AI is like, oh shit, I got to drop my shit too. And then it's all of them just, and it's just like, it brings it all back down until it gets to a certain point and then it comes back up. But It, show, it shows how fragile modern financial system is. And okay, right. and let's not forget, like all these big media corporations, like they're, they're not like, they're not owned by us. The public doesn't own them, right? Like they're well, a lot of them are publicly traded. Publicly traded, yeah, but they're con- they're controlled by the decisions are controlled billionaires, yeah, right. So if if you have these kind of people and they're like more Corona, more Corona, right? That's what's getting the clicks. Who gives a shit? That's what's getting clicks now. That's what's getting ad revenue. Right. More Corona, pumping it, right? Like that's all they care about. So, so kind of when you watch this documentary and brain and all this, it's like it's. It's hyper depressing or it feels really depressing. When I look at it, I've watched I watched the documentary like three times. Uh, but I see there is some positives takeaways from this thing. And you know, we can wrap it up here or whatever. But I feel like that the counterculture there, there the counterculture that has come from this, it, it has been evolving. Like it hasn't, it's not done. Like it's not ended, right? We had the individualization, which was about the development of self. It was about like drawing into yourself and kind of developing the best self you can kind of be or expanding your mind or, or those kinds of things. Getting fucked but up. But that wasn't, that wasn't it. You know, taking yourself out of the system isn't part of it. Then you kind of had things like the movements of Occupy Wall Street, which is like they had the... They had the right intentions, right? They want the revolution, but they didn't have the vision. They didn't understand that once you break the system or you want the system to break, you need something to replace it or else you'll get something like how you got the rise of ISIS where you break Iraq and then something comes in who has a, somebody who has a vision comes in and fills the vacuum. And it might not necessarily be the vision that you had in mind. Right. So if you want, and so now there is this kind of, at least in the United States, you have this kind of, or we've seen a little bit of it. A, there's a bit of it, just a, just a, just the shininess little bit of like the new youth kind of progressive wave into government, right? You've seen the people who are, you know, I would probably put them with the, 
the 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 optimistic ones, the ones who are pushing for social change and things like that. You, you, there there is something there. There's a spark something. there. There's something, right? You can't. The thing is, like, you can't remove yourself from the system. If you're going to say, like, I'm not going to vote, my vote doesn't matter, you know, the, the system is just going to leave me behind or I am not part of the system, that's not going to change anything because it hasn't been changing anything for the last 50 years. Nope. But there is, like, you pay attention to the small things. And again, the, the algorithms like to govern the stuff that you see. But if you move outside your bubble, like, if you if you reach across, you know, you 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 push yourself to understand and and reach out to other people and see things from other points of view, you will see that things have changes. You will see the connections. They don't want you to see that your, your actions, you know, well, have it's, it's still there. effects. Like it's still like, even though the internet is controlled by like a, not, it's not fully controlled by a few corporations. They just control the most like, like, um, what am I looking for here? the most popular platforms. But the internet has also brought avenues like podcasting with no filter. You can, so you can get, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people hate Joe Rogan, but at the same time, Joe Rogan has, <laughs> that podcast and podcast similar to his have open avenues where very smart people who know the stuff we're talking about can express their point of view with an unbiased, commercial-free environment. And people are like, oh, I get it. Like, okay, that's what he's thinking about. And that's why he thinks that way. And so like in that way, the internet is part of like the, a new movement in a way where as long as you don't get sucked in by everything you see on Facebook and get like those fucking Facebook and Twitter fights where you don't even know the person, you're not trying to have a conversation. You're just yelling at, you're yelling each other through your keys and no one, nothing ever happens. Sometimes you read a feed of like an argument on Facebook this, nothing's happened. There's been not 200 comments. We're at the bottom. And you still think that, and you think that no one knows why you even thought that. And the, like, it's crazy. But like, there is yeah. avenues where the social change can take place. And I think we're just seeing, I think we're seeing like the beginnings in the last few years. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think this is maybe we're going towards that idea that the the original, you know, the originators of the internet and the you know cyberspace had in mind where it's like we're getting there like free and open is, source we're getting there like we're we're get, we're we're making progress you know it might not be as fast as we want to be but it's whatever and i think like you know being part of this community i think we've got great fans who are all level headed and at least we're all moving in some direction you know yeah. or whatever maybe not everyone agrees exactly but everyone will could could see your point of view and be like well i see why you think that way and like at least open their mind up yeah to like to instead of just you can't just close off. Yeah. So, you know, it's a it's a thing. Like it's it's just it's weird the times we live in. I think it's this was yeah. gonna happen. This is my prediction. As this power structure in place right now, like the financial power structure starts to lose hold, you're gonna see more more aggressive tactics like the coronavirus thing to instill fear in the public. Is what I think. I almost think this coronavirus thing is like the precursor to something even more extreme. I I I was telling people at work today, I said, listen, we're we're in for it now because we are gonna see one of something like this every year now. There's gonna be something in the news, right? That can that can every there'll be a big event every year like this. 
I almost think that this mass push it's of a the money cor- maker, man. I almost think that the mass well, push of the coronavirus thing is like a a trial to see how much like how much we can sway public opinion just by pushing it over and over and over. It's like a it's like it's like that old uh it's old quote. I'm not sure if it's from Hitler, but it's from like the Nazi party like you tell a lie uh, like you tell a lie enough times eventually it becomes the truth. Hmm. Cuz people just like they hear it and like well I've heard that from everyone so I guess it must be true. And if new well, and- if news is only owned by cuz there's it's only owned by like what five companies, five sitting boards of directors who own like 300 media outlets over North America and the Western world, but it's only like mm-hmm. five companies. So if those even if two or three of those companies start running a story that maybe not is 100% true, all those like all the media channels from international right down to like your grassroots, like local newspaper all start running the same story because they always get it from the guy above them. You can easily change public discourse really quickly, even if the story is not true. Well, and like you were, you were saying like right before September 11th, we saw movies like Independence Day and Armageddon come out and what movie right, right before the fucking coronavirus scare came out, what movie was voted the greatest movie of 2020 and pretty much told everybody to watch it because it's the best thing that they've ever seen. Was that pandemic on Netflix? Parasite. Oh, Parasite. Yes, Parasite. You know what I mean? It's like it fucking fits in perfectly. It it makes you think like almost sometimes seems too perfect. We're like, okay, this is either a simulation or someone's controlling just everything. Art art imitating life. It's weird. Life imitating art. It's weird. Yeah, it is weird. I agree. I don't know. Like I said, strange, strange times we live in. But give that documentary a watch. It's a, uh, it's a real eye opener. You get a, it's v- really well done. It's all this talk to each other. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. no, don't have to yell. I don't got to yell. All right, this one went really long. So let's not do everything we had planned at the end. But let's. One thing we need to do is March needs a meat draw winner. <gasps> oh meat shit! It's the good stuff. Everybody's been waiting for. Okay. So oh shit. We got all the names. And if if you're supporting at ten dollars or more. Okay. Yes, you're in the Mitra. But in the Mitra. I've got the I've got the Mitra raffle back working, so we have a visual. And if you're one of those people that go, well, I didn't see my name. There was 110 names, and the raffle only takes 14 seconds to pick a name, so it doesn't cycle through all 110. Well, it does. Uh, no, it cycles, you, it cycles through all. It doesn't show all the visuals to every name. Yeah, it doesn't show all the visuals, but it cycles through. You have a chance. Don't worry. You're in there. I make sure painstakingly every month that everyone's in there. The most work Braden puts into the podcast every month <laughs> is putting <laughs> is what you're about to see. Is putting this video together. <laughs> okay, let's uh, let's load the meter up. Yeah. All right, here we go. Ten, nine, I haven't watched eight, this yet. Seven. Here we go. Six, five, four, three, two, one. Curtis Burchard. 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 That was that's from February's February's meat draw winner. Oh yeah, February's meat draw winner. Uh, and congratulations to him. You've got a sweet package coming your way. Uh, I was already reached out to him before the show and talked to him, got his address. Good old Australian boy. 
Uh, funny enough, he was telling me he volunteered at Big White a couple oh, of really? weeks ago. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I was, he's like, it would have been easier if I won back then. I said, yeah, it would have. It would have. It saved us a little bit a on shipping. Less too. Yeah, shipping would have been a lot less. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and we don't and, and we don't rig it. Some people are like, "Hey, you pick who you want." I'm like, "No," because I would pick someone who lives way closer to yeah. me every time. <laughs> <laughs> they would always live in Canada. We just hand deliver to our friends. Always live in Canada and always in British Columbia because you don't know any of these people's names. I could just make them up. So just like Yezeli makes up Yedis Fetus. Oh, give me a break, <laughs> Ferdu. I'm about to read some more. Yeah, Ferdu. Come on, Ferdu. Okay, give so us more. We just did the meat draw. That's $10 a month. If you're supporting, you get entered for the meat draw. Get some pretty much uh, something exclusive every month, plus like a hoodie Shriggity and some, sometimes a book. It all depends. All depends what's up that month. But uh, let's see here. If you're supporting the show, you get your name read. That's that's the bonus. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and access to like 75 hours of extra stuff. But Oh, only 75. Only 75. No big deal. Like just a whole other podcast yeah. if you want it. Yeah. Up to you though, no pressure. Stevie Erickson, John, god damn, it's not made up. Shasina, Shasina made that one up. I bet <laughs> Justin Belcher, Brandon, Michaela, Tyler Coker, Garrett Knees, Sierra Small, Josh. How? Ho? H O U G H. How? How? Hoof? Hoof? How? Either way, thanks for supporting. Bowie Young, Andrew Fisher, Carl Sawatsky, Hayden Turnbull, Destiny Balande, Rabea. When did we record last? What was the last date? March. Huff. It's Huff, because I remember you said it's like rough. It's Huff, like rough? Yeah, he's in the Discord server. It's Huff. Yeah. Josh Huff. Like rough. Yeah. Okay, back down to where I was. When did we record last? I forgot. March. An hour ago. An hour before we did this show. <laughs> Matthew, <laughs> Roberto, Cody Reed. I think we're past this anyway. Christopher Boyalis, James, Kenneth Perry, Nolan Brumley. Yeah, we've, we're, we're past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wilfred past. Brimley. Oh, diabetes. 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 Um, yeah, um, oh, also, if you want some merch, go to Alien Theorist Theorizing dot live. Go to our merch. You can buy some t-shirts if you don't want to sh- support the show on Patreon. That's fine. Buy yourself a shirt. Buy yourself a hat. Uh, we got some new stuff coming up. I'm going to mix up the store here for spring. Uh, I'll probably do that uh, March 20th, the Equinox. All. If you hate subscribing spring, to stuff... And you just want to give your boys a one-time uh, thank you. You buy a shirt or anything, a few bucks, and uh, you supported the show. Are we going to do Randomatron, or are we out of time? We're no, out of time. We're out of fucking time. We're out of time. It's way too long. Right, I, got, I got a band of the week. These guys are called Predisposed. They're from Northern California. It's like a punk, post-hardcore hybrid band. Pretty good shit. So cool. you can check them out on Spotify. The song is called... The truth nobody knows. Kind of very fitting for today's case file. Play at the end. Anything else? Nope. No. No. Uh, <laughs> I should say at the end of these things, keep those eyes on the skies. Thanks, everyone. Peace, everyone.
remember what they said Well, her nightmares and fears preclude How can this be for comedy When everyone listens to peace They could death and don't say fight Talk to me and let it speak Your view was in contrast Get the battles that you brought Very exciting time your dream Won't we bring it to your knees Get that selfish marathon Get there, it'll be the same. This place went down with 